Dueling Eagles, written by Chad Clabo, read by Derek Durlam, produced by Studio Conundrum, copyright 2017, Chad Clabo. Chapter 12 Ned and Jack were brought to another warehouse together, but then quickly separated. Unlike the first building, this warehouse was divided off into many smaller rooms. The room they were holding Ned in was not a typical jail cell, but there was a steel-barred wall with a gate in it running across the center of the long room. The rest of the room was made up of a concrete floor and unfinished drywall. If only I had a screwdriver, thought Ned, or a heavy piece of metal, or a rock. He even contemplated punching through, but there was no telling what was inside the wall or on the other side, never mind the fact that there was an armed guard standing on the other side of the room. From the surface, however, the walls looked like standard wooden stud construction. A man entered the room. He was dressed like the men who had brought them in, wearing blue cargo pants and a matching blue shirt. Now that Ned had a better chance to look at them, they looked somewhat reminiscent of military fatigues. I am here to inform you that you are now a prisoner of the Chihuahuan Liberation Army. As a representative of the United States government, you will be put on trial for crimes against the Chihuahuan people and held responsible for the crimes of your government. Now wait just a minute, Ned tried to interrupt. I'm not a representative of the United States. Shut up, the man continued. You are an official aide to the United States Senator Michael Andres, and as such will be treated as a representative of the United States government. How, Ned wondered, did these men know who he was? It was really too early for Jack to have started talking. After the man left, Ned tried talking to the guard, but was almost completely ignored. The guard would look at him, but didn't seem to understand what Ned was saying. When he switched to Spanish, the guard didn't look quite as confused, but he still wouldn't respond, except to occasionally say, Cayate, or shut up, in Spanish. A short time later, a woman dressed like the guards came in with two bottles of water and a burrito. A girl, thought Ned. She doesn't look old enough to be working with these men, or as worldly as she'd need to be. Why is she bringing me food? Why is anyone bringing me food, for that matter? The guard looked at her questioningly. Food for the prisoner, she said in Spanish. She then held out a bottle of water for the guard, and he took it and nodded. He didn't say anything else to her, but gave her an awful leer. Then she headed toward the cell. Take these, she said to Ned in English. I might be able to help you, but I can't talk for long. What? I can help you get out, maybe. But you have to help me too. How can I help you? You have to take me with you out of Juarez. Now wait, no, there's no time. Will you help me? Ned looked at her, trying to figure out if he could trust her. And even if he could, would she be a reliable asset? His indecision must have been apparent, as her dark eyes looked straight into Ned's. And I could do other things for you too. Suddenly, this girl didn't look nearly as young or as innocent as she had a moment ago. No, it's not that, Ned hesitated again. How do I know I can trust you? How can you trust anyone? Do you want my help? Ned thought quickly. Better not to limit his options. Okay, we'll take you back with us. Can you help my friend too? Your friend? Yes, replied Ned. The man I came in with? I don't think he will need my help. What does that mean? I have to go, she whispered. I'll be back later tonight, if they haven't yet killed you. Chapter 13 The burrito had been warm and was filled with beans and rice. Ned didn't know when the next time he might eat was, so he ate it and drank the bottle of water. 
It was nearly an hour before two men in uniform arrived and removed Ned from the cell. He was trying to keep track of how many there were all together, but he wasn't sure if these two men were the same who had originally brought him here. It was still possible that this was a relatively small operation. Together with a man that had been guarding him in his cell, the two men took Ned down some corridors and into a large room on the other side of the warehouse. This new room was much bigger than the room Ned had been held in. Almost cavernous, it looked like it took up nearly half the warehouse. It was also far more finished. The walls had been painted, and even the floor was roughly carpeted. It was certainly dark outside by now, but it was as bright as day in here. As Ned saw the hundreds of men in uniform sitting on benches filling most of the room, he stopped counting. This was definitely not a small operation. It appeared that a makeshift courtroom had been set up in this large hall, with the soldiers as a courtroom gallery. There were twelve men in uniform seated as a jury. The man who had informed him earlier in his cell that he was to be put on trial was standing near the bench like a court officer. Seated at the prosecution table, and once again wearing a tie, was Jack Stewart. Chapter 14 What the hell is going on, Jack? Ned asked as he was being seated at the defense table. Yeah, buddy, I'd hope to have more time to get you ready for this, but my associates aren't really the patient kind. They've been waiting for a chance like this for a long time. Your associates, Jack? Are you saying that you've been working with these Mexican insurgents this whole time? Pretty much. Jack looked slightly more pleased with himself than usual. I was planning on waiting in El Paso with you all until tomorrow, but your little spy mission gave me the perfect opportunity to come back early. We've got big plans, Ned. And while you're certainly not a part of all of them, you'll surely come in handy here. And if I don't cooperate, well, I could just have you summarily executed, but come on, play along. You might live a few days longer. And if you don't cooperate, you'll still be helping us out. Even if you're bound and gagged sitting at that table, I can still make my case. And a man staying silent at his own trial never guaranteed a not guilty verdict. It certainly won't go that way today. All rise for the Honorable Gabriel Sanchez, the court officer shouted. The noise in the room died down and a man wearing a black robe entered from a door to what looked like a closet and sat down at the bench. Court is now in session, the judge banged his gavel on the bench. The defendant stands accused of multiple crimes. Every word that he said seemed both unfamiliar to the man and well-practiced, as if he had been rehearsing but had never actually sat as a judge before. This was definitely a performance, but for what? It was then that Ned noticed the small cameras set up around the room. Not studio quality, but even a small camera could shoot high-definition video. This also explained why the proceedings were being held in English. This propaganda piece wasn't only being made for supporters of this group's cause, but to embarrass the United States at home. Ned Albrecht, the judge boomed. There are a host of crimes by your government far too numerous to list here. They will be held for prosecution at a future date. Today, you stand accused, on behalf of your government, the United States of America, of stealing Chihuahuan land, terrorizing the Chihuahuan people, and illegally regulating the flow of water into the city of Ciudad Juarez. How do you plead? 
Ned wasn't sure what he wanted to do. He could be belligerent, but that would get him bound, gagged, and eventually shot. He could stick to name, rank, and serial number, which would also get him shot. Or he could play along and maybe live a few days longer, like Jack suggested. Revealing any sensitive information was completely out of the question, but this wasn't an interrogation. This was a kangaroo court. They wanted a circus, and Jack was right. They'd get a good show no matter what Ned did. How do you plead? The judge didn't look happy that he had to repeat himself. Ned looked across the aisle to Jack. I don't suppose if I plead guilty we can end this early? Ned asked quietly. Not a chance, replied Jack. Mr. Albrecht, the judge shouted. Not guilty, your honor, Ned pleaded. Not guilty. Your honor, Jack stood up and addressed the judge. I now call to the stand the defendant, Ned Albrecht. Chapter 15 Ned was taken to the witness stand and sworn in. Jack approached him with his ever-friendly smile on display. Would the witness like to make a statement? Jack asked. Yes, I would, said Ned. I want to make it clear that although I will cooperate with these proceedings, I do not recognize the authority of this court in general or in its right to hold me responsible for the crimes of a sovereign government. So noted. Anything else? Ned shook his head. He didn't really see the point of going on. Anything he said that might persuade someone watching would almost certainly be edited out later. As to the first count, stealing Chihuahuan land. Isn't it true that in 1836, Texas declared its independence from Mexico and forced General Antonio Lopez de Santa Ana to sign papers that granted such independence? Well, said Ned, it is true that they declared independence, and it's also true that papers were signed by Santa Ana. Historians disagree on whether or not these papers actually legitimized Texas's independence or that Santa Ana was forced to sign. You might argue that failing to win the battle against the Texians is what forced Santa Ana to recognize Texas's independence. And isn't it further true that some of the lands that Texas claimed upon its independence belong to the free and sovereign state of Chihuahua? I believe that is correct. And when the United States government annexed Texas in 1845, didn't they proceed to fight a war with the Mexican government to protect those lands, and did they not continue to hold these lands today? Well, maybe a little overly simplified, yes, I think that's true. Gentlemen of the jury, Jack spun around and addressed the jury directly. I put it to you that this land was illegally seized and has been illegally held for nearly 200 years. A large murmur ran through the crowd of people in the gallery. Objection, said Ned to the judge. The prosecution is testifying. The judge looked at Ned, then to Jack. You don't have any right to object, said Jack. In this court, it is the prosecution's job to testify. Now, do you have anything else to add? Only that if you continue to follow that line of logic, Mexico stole the land from Spain, Spain stole it from the Apache, and the Apache stole it from even earlier native populations. Exactly, Jack shot back. And as descendants of the original native inhabitants of this land, the people of the free and sovereign state of Chihuahua are the rightful heirs to any claim on this land as well as that stolen by the United States government. 
Ned thought that he could make a decent argument that most of the people living in modern-day Chihuahua were not actually descended from the pre-Apache native inhabitants, but that could anger the room and reveal him as apathetic toward their cause. Regardless, Jack didn't give him the chance to argue any further. Now for the second count, Jack continued. Terrorizing the Chihuahuan people. Isn't it true that for the last six months, the United States government has been sending 400 deportees into Juarez daily? And isn't it further true that there has been a virtual trade embargo with the city during that time? Yes, said Ned, that is true. Gentlemen of the jury, I put it to you that the United States government has committed these actions without any thought or care as to how it would affect the stability of Ciudad Juarez or the state of Chihuahua. This caused not only impoverishment, but also the starvation and terrorization of its citizens. Is there anything you would like to add? Jack had turned back around to address Ned. Not if I can't object to your so-called testimony. Very well. Next question. Jack began to walk slowly about the courtroom area. Do you have any justification for this mass deportation scheme? A scheme which, I will remind the jury, was not approved of by the free and sovereign state of Chihuahua. The plan was approved by the Mexican federal government, which has jurisdiction over Chihuahuan's international affairs. That agreement was forced upon the powerless Mexican government by its United States masters in Washington, D.C., and it's beside the point. But do tell the court what led to this deportation scheme and if you have any justification for it. Well, some people say the current immigration problems date back to 2015 and the steady increase in illegal immigration, especially the unaccompanied minors from several Central and South American countries, as well as the executive orders and congressional action that followed over the next several years. Others trace it back to the immigration reform legislation passed back in 1986. We don't need a history lesson, said Jack. Is there any justification for the mass deportation of an entire people from the United States into the free and sovereign state of Chihuahua? It isn't an entire people, and not all of them are being deported into Chihuahua. Again, not the point. Answer the question. Jack looked like he might be losing his patience. Is there any justification? Only that the United States is a nation of laws and that people entering and residing in the country without authorization is a violation of those laws. Once again, Jack said to the jury, we see the United States accusing everyone of Mexican origin of being a criminal. That's not what I said, but that's what you meant, Jack said to Ned. Then he turned to the jury. You see, my friends, this man continues to deny his bigoted attitude even as he admits there was no reasonable justification for the deportation or the undue hardship it has put upon the state of Chihuahua. Now to the final count, accused Jack, illegally regulating the flow of water into the city of Ciudad Juarez. Not that this court recognizes the 1906 Rio Grande Water Rights Treaty, but didn't this treaty guarantee water be diverted into Ciudad Juarez? To be delivered to the Acequia Madre Canal, I believe. After the first two counts, this one seemed a bit more specific to Ned. Before starting work for the senator, he had never even heard of the 1906 treaty, 
but water rights between Texas and Mexico were always an important political issue. And how much water was supposed to go to the canal, exactly? I believe it was 60,000 acre-feet annually, except in times of drought. Except in times of drought, I see. Does that explain why, for the last several years, the water flowing into the Madre Canal has been reduced to barely a trickle? I wouldn't describe it as a trickle, but yes, the water has been reduced. And where exactly is the water reduced? Is it done at the International Dam where both countries could monitor the diversion? No. In fact, Jack continued, the diversion is done at a dam that the United States built in 1938 to make sure that Mexico didn't take too much water. Isn't that right? That is more or less correct. You see, my friends, Jack was once again addressing the jury, another example of how the Americans paint all Mexicans as criminals, not even trusting us not to steal their water. Let's get back to this water reduction, Mr. Albrecht. How do we know that you aren't, in fact, taking more water than you should? How do we know you're dividing it fairly? We only have your word to take. How do you know it's not being divided fairly? Questioned Ned. Take my word for it, there's a drought. How do you explain that the American farms in the El Paso Valley are still producing crops while nearly all of the farms on the Chihuahuan side are dead and dry? It's possible that they have better water management. And it's possible that the American dam is giving them more water than it should. Gentlemen of the jury, I submit to you that the United States government is stealing the water that rightfully belongs to the people of Chihuahua. I urge you to find Mr. Ned Albrecht on behalf of the United States government guilty of this water theft, the theft of Chihuahuan lands, and of terrorism. The jury will now deliberate, the judge said. What about my defense? asked Ned. Now don't go crying about it, Jack smiled. You had every opportunity to defend your country. The jury didn't leave the room. They just huddled together for a moment and then were quiet. Has the jury reached a verdict? the judge asked. We have, your honor. One juror stood up as he spoke. On all three counts, your honor, we find him guilty. Chapter 16 Ned was brought back to his cell where his new friend, the guard, was once again waiting for him. It was only a few minutes before Jack entered the room. He spoke a few words to the guard, the guard left, and Ned and Jack were left alone together. You'll be sentenced tomorrow, said Jack. Aren't you glad you cooperated? You get to live another night. Just one? We'll see. You didn't make it as easy out there as I would have liked, but you played your part. Anyway, you're a political prisoner now. You might be more valuable in a trade. Why are you here, Jack? Shouldn't you be editing out all the bad parts of that mock trial? Ned couldn't seem to hide the disgust in his voice. Don't worry, replied Jack. That work is being done. And there are no bad parts, only parts that are unnecessary for our cause. Your cause? Ned was incredulous. You know, you really don't seem like the type of guy to get caught up in a revolutionary army. What happened, Jack? And where's the Mexican government in all this? I've been wondering that since we got here. The Mexican government's practically abandoned this city. There weren't even 50 federales here before tonight, and when I heard about the mass deportation, I decided it was time to put my plan into action. 
I ordered the Liberation Army forces to assault the border compound this afternoon. It was a bloodbath. For them. And to be honest, Jack smiled at Ned, I'm not really with these guys. They're just a means to an end. Means to an end? Jack, what end could justify this? While it's true, Jack was almost whispering, that I don't really care about Chihuahuan independence, I would love to see the state of Texas throw off the yoke of the United States. Ned was dumbfounded. He didn't understand what Jack could be thinking. He didn't seem insane, but... I can tell you don't understand. That's not surprising. Jack looked like he was mulling something over. I won't tell you all my plans, but I will tell you this. With what I have in the works, Texas is going to have to form some kind of response. But do you think the boys in Washington are going to do anything? Not that senator you work for. Not that candy-ass president we have. Texas is going to have to go it alone, the way it should be. Ned had to reevaluate his thinking on Jack. These were definitely not the actions of a sane man. But maybe I've said too much, said Jack. Maybe you will have to die tomorrow. Dueling Eagles Written by Chad Claybo Read by Derek Durlam Produced by Studio Conundrum Copyright 2017, Chad Claybo.